Man, what a roller coaster freak ride of an election night, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a good description. <laughs> How was it for you? Oh, there were a lot of emotions. <laughs> good or bad or both? Yeah, all of the emotions. Like, I discovered new emotions over the past 24 hours. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? I think, like, a lot of people who, you know, sort of come from the blue side of things, I think we're cautiously optimistic at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into the details in just a little bit, but, like, a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. Things are moving really slowly, and they're slowly moving in the right direction for us. So we're recording this on Thursday morning Berlin time, Wednesday night Pacific time. Um, So we are 36 hours into the U.S. presidential election 2020. The voting is still going on. This is the Americanist podcast presented to you by Podbean and Riverside FM. We are talking American politics, history and more from Germany to California and back. And I'm Johannes Ehrmann here in Berlin. And I'm joined by Mike Bayoki over in Stanford, California. Hi, Mike. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, so 36 hours in, still no results. What's going on, man? I, I want my results. <laughs> oh, come on. There, the, no, no, no. It's more confusing. There are tons of results. There are ton, 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 tons of results. Okay, that's a, that's a nice way to frame it. <laughs> Not that's, all the results. Yeah. Not the most yeah. important one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How's it going to go? Where, where do we stand? Who's going to be the next president? Okay, I mean, like, you know, Biden's going to be the next president. There's probably, you know, good reason for me to be more cautious, but no, Biden's going to be the next president. All signs point to that. At this moment, we're looking at Biden's point totals just shy of the official threshold being he needs to win officially maybe one more state. And it looks like he's got two extremely good states, um, maybe even three uh, pointing. It's quite possible at this moment, just watching one state uh, right now, Nevada, which is where Las Vegas is that Nevada during this podcast might actually declare uh, it, its full count. So that's basically it. The yeah. Americanist has just called the the race. <laughs> next President Biden. <laughs> See you next week. Au revoir. That's right. Democracy next. That's cool. I mean, we're, we're more bold than any of the random news stations out there in the country, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we have... All the knowledge, none of the consequences. It'll be amazing when we get this wrong. <laughs> I mean, and we had a quick Zoom call. I think that was, you know, 24 hours ago, Wednesday morning, my Almost time. Exactly. So yeah. very late Tuesday night. Um, uh, and I think we've both been sort of binge watching CNN, a lot of, you know, information from the internet back and forth you know 538 up and down and uh, the mood swings have been pretty much crazy yeah there was also a big hesitation i thought in a lot of uh, news media outlets most notably cnn i watched yeah. them and there was this this instance where so wisconsin was super close right and there was right this point when it flipped blue at some point you know with all the absentee yeah. ballots being counted you know it flipped from a Trump lead to um, a Biden lead. Uh, and then this lead was getting bigger, you know. And at some point they were on the yeah. phone with, I think it was actually like the commissioner who was overseeing the count. <laughs> That's and right. she was like, okay, we're done here. That's it. You know, there's, there's nothing coming in. And then yeah. so back to the yeah. CNN newsroom. And I'm waiting for, you know, bum, 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 you know, key race alert, you know, CNN is calling <laughs> Wisconsin. 
and I, they were like just tiptoeing around. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, so Wisconsin still very close. And what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? She just told you there's no more votes. There's like she was like there's 300 more votes coming in. He's like 20,000 votes ahead. So, so what's going on? What's, yeah. what's going on there? Okay, do you want me to unpack this? Yes, please. There's like actually at least three things I can yeah that I can tell you about. So one of the most official things that's going on there is these big newsrooms in the United States uh, contract with independent organizations that are quant teams. So like statisticians, Uh economists, whose job it is, is to make those calls. So the newsroom, the news people who you saw talking with that official have zero power to actually make the claim. Uh So there is a set. So this leads to really interesting dynamic where one of the best quant teams, one of the best polling, uh, most respected teams is actually at Fox News. Which to a lot of Americans, yeah, I know. Which is the greatest news channel of all time, anyway, right? So let's let's call that as well. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's certainly one of the uh, most opinionated. Uh, so yeah, but uh, in one of the more common, so I guess what we're joking about here is Fox News has a uh, loose relationship with reality, I guess, and facts, um, except for they've been one of the more political, uh, sorry, uh, one of the most pro, unabashedly pro-Trump, like party line kind of uh, news organizations for, for Trump, but they have one of the best quant teams. And so a lot of their calls are heavily respected during, um, you know, the election season. I'm not sure exactly how that relationship, you know, you know was created and why it persists, but that's it's mm-hmm. true. Um, so one of the things you were saying is, they could get like straight from, as you saw, straight from the official person's mouth from into the news team, but doesn't, doesn't allow the news team to report yeah. officially. Awesome. Yeah. The, the other, the other two things, um, another one is people just worried. It's a very complicated environment this year. So many more people turned out, um, than previously. We'll, we'll talk about those numbers mm-hmm. in just a minute, but like, I, I think like people really unsure uh more so than in previous years and then the last thing is very very political which is everybody has been aware because donald trump has been saying for about a week now that he wants to end the elections early so he does not want to count all the votes he would prefer that as soon as it looks like he's winning uh that things would stop and he's been phrasing it as you know people should not be counting votes after the election day which is absurd. <laughs> it's actually written into our constitution that there is an amount of time where people will be continuing to count. But part of the reason that people are a bit slow this year uh, locking in official counts is it, that is a very explicit drive of Donald Trump's. Um, and so I think there's a little hesitation yeah. to be too. You, met, yeah, you mentioned fairly. Fox News and they were actually one of the first outlets, I think, also to call Arizona, which has become closer again yeah. in the last hours i saw some worried tweets <laughs> there um so what are yeah. we tell the people what should they be looking at until the end of the week where where is the crucial count sure. is it arizona is it georgia is it pennsylvania yeah so at this moment i think there is let's see there's four states so georgia nevada north carolina pennsylvania mm-hmm. i will go out of my way to say that almost certainly within the next handful of hours, we'll see Nevada and Georgia report. Uh So Georgia will probably report um, slightly before Nevada. Nevada is almost certainly going to go blue. And in one of the 
most crazy uh, results of this year, the sort of most defining. I'd like to talk a little bit about why um, Georgia looks like it'll probably go blue, which is surprising. Uh, I think one of the most interesting, and especially for you and me, given our history in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania would also be um, declaring, but probably not until Friday. Uh-huh. Um, it is the largest of the remaining. I think it's something like 16 electoral votes in Georgia, six in Nevada, 15 in North Carolina, 20 in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And again, at this point, all Joe Biden needs left is six points. So any one of these states goes his direction mm-hmm. and uh-huh. it's over. Um, so keep an eye on Georgia within the next couple of hours. <laughs> Georgia will probably be decided before we post this pod. Uh, and then Nevada shortly thereafter. I don't know about North Carolina. Pennsylvania is going to be a bit of a mess in a very contested yeah. way over the next few days. But should Georgia or Nevada land blue, um, the pressure will be off of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I've, I've been feeling with our friends in, in Philadelphia where we spent a year together. You even stayed on for, for a bit longer. You know, we saw these images from like yeah. these big, you know, halls where there were just like these election workers in their, you know, yellow, bright yellow vests counting all the votes. And, uh, and at the same time, I was like, come on, speed it up, man. You know, just like <laughs> get us the results. But I mean, it's, yes, I guess, <laughs> especially in the urban centers, just given the high turnout, also given the corona situation and also yeah. the large amount of mail ballots this year i think it made it super complicated for these guys right yeah that's right just a ton of scrutiny and uh i, I think you're exactly right that the um mail-in not in person voting uh, that happened in a huge way this year just requires more verification there are more challenges that votes have to go through they have to look at like hand uh, writing and that kind of stuff. So it's just much slower process. They need more people trained and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So me being the writer and trained historian that I am, I'm constantly looking for metaphors and symbolism, right? So yeah. so I'm, I'm researching also on Pennsylvania. I wrote my master's thesis on, on that, where it all started, right? The revolution, you know, Philadelphia, your first capital. And now we're sort of at this historic election. I think it's everyone is calling it that yeah and now it's zooming in again on on pennsylvania which was the i mean it's called the keystone state it was the tipping point state yeah. even in the original 13 colonies right so there's six colonies to the north right, yeah. six colonies to the south and in the middle it's pennsylvania yeah, and now great. obviously you know the states have ballooned to a bit more than that but i mean how cool is it or strange or symbolic yeah. that it's it's about pretty much pennsylvania again even in this sort of very, very really weird, is. huge election. Yeah, it really is. I, I think we all knew that Pennsylvania would be a real prize for both sides. And that some of it has to do with how Pennsylvania looks. Like the western half of Pennsylvania is uh, sort of older traditional economy, Midwest, um, and sort of, which with all that means sort of like, you know, the traditional economy, but also like sort of American dispositions look different. Um, and then the Philadelphia side, the East Coast side, looks very much like an East Coast major city, um, very urban, high tech, that kind of stuff. So you have two, you you have two very different parts of America wedded together inside of Pennsylvania. So it's a really interesting yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. When you guys originally started out in 1775, 76, it was. Yeah. the most German state as well. So one third of Pennsylvania was, was German at the time. Yes. Um, and maybe just to, to get this out also to the listeners, the Germans right now are pretty clear who they're rooting for. I saw this study, 89% of Germans rooting for Biden, 
4% for Trump. Yeah. So he's not that popular over here. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah, it must have been 2008, right? When I was there hanging out with you and just walking around Berlin and seeing a lot of pro-Obama stuff. And that was just sort of exciting because of the, how much of a change in uh, and, and also American identity was was tied with him. Yeah, I mean, he was huge. And he's yeah. he brought, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people when he spoke in Berlin. Yeah, so pretty, yeah. pretty clear picture over here. Uh, one of the things that you just mentioned, like Pennsylvania, uh, here in the United States, we have the Pennsylvania Dutch, uh-huh. which is like sort of... Like the Amish? <laughs> uh, that, but it's also actually a corruption. It's an American corruption of uh, Deutsch. Ah, um, the language. So okay. it sounds like to us we're referring to the you know uh, Holland and, and the Dutch, but like uh, it is actually a reference to the big German population here in the in Pennsylvania. Do you, do you know some Pennsylvania yeah. Dutch? Did you pick it up? Oh yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like embarrassing our mind. <laughs> I'm going to quiz you again on Politikverdrossenheit. Can you repeat it from last episode? <laughs> I can't, but I still adore it. You're a coward. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, man, but this just this just in from the White House, actually. Um, so this is uh, straight out of Donald Trump, I think. Quote, Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error, I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. Whatever they may be, I fervently beseech the Almighty to avert or mitigate the evils to which they may tend. I also shall carry with me the hope that my country will never cease to view them with indulgence, and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion, as myself must soon be to the mansions of rest. The President. This is an amazing tweet thread that Trump put out there. Yeah. Yeah, so... The president already put that out in 1796, and um, yeah, you probably picked it. it was not Trump. <laughs> it was this pre 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 predecessor, certain George That's Washington. Right. Trump, kind of a yeah. little bit of a different reaction, right, to this whole thing. That is right. Yeah, uh, you know, a little bit less poetic, a lot more, in, well, a lot more incoherent, <laughs> a lot more embarrassing to us. Was it incoherent though? Because I mean, he was basically building on weeks or months of attacking the mail-in ballots, attacking the process being legitimate, basically. What did you make of it? What is very incoherent, and the reason that things may not play out in the way that some of us feared, is that exactly that message you were saying about and that I talked about in the beginning, which is like, we must, it's it's crazy that people are going to steal the election after the after the November 3rd, like vote counting should stop. Well, it turns out <laughs> if one were to do that, then Trump would lose. So I, people did not fully anticipate that we would get to that point. Um, and so it looks like Trump's best hope for shifting the counts in his favor is not to stop the count, but to actually continue and force it in some locations <laughs> and then stop it in others. So his message is, mm. Uh, I, they are they are having a very difficult time figuring out exactly how to manipulate the election count at this point. Yeah, 
Sorry. It's just, it's just, it's just absurd. And it's it's kind of fun at this point because he's about to lose. I'm just be honest with you. I just can't contain anymore. It's it's a, a delight to watch this man lose. Right now, it's it's a, it's a waiting game. Um, and basically, in, in Wisconsin, um, they've already called for a recount, the Trump camp has. But the Trump campaign does not have a coherent message. The What they're doing in their legal challenges in Wisconsin is trying to force, like you said, a recount. And that would be a reimagining of the vote um, as it was counted on the day. So his message is directly in conflict with his actions at this point. So that incoherence kind of stuff is not playing very well um, here. So, but yes, they're starting, the Trump uh, campaign is starting to mount those kinds of legal challenges uh-huh. in the courts. There's also a parallel track, I'm not sure if want to talk about this, but in Michigan, in Detroit, um, some of the counts are coming in slower, though Mich- uh, Michigan at this point has been count uh, has been put into the wind column for Biden. Um, there are people, uh, and they are almost exclusively white, they're challenged, they've gone to like sort of the counting places. This is also happening in Arizona, okay. um, and they're trying to shut down the counts. Uh, it is particularly heart, like disheartening because these are white people tending to try to shut down uh, and stop counting in areas that are, in Detroit's case, deeply African-American, heavily heavy supporters of Joe Biden. We're talking something like 80 to 90 percent of the votes there are going to um, Biden. These are white people trying to stop it. It's a very similar thing right now. Um, part of the air, complication of what's going on in Arizona is a bunch of people have shown up, again, white people have shown up with um, weapons uh, to one of the voting areas. Okay. Uh, and so there are reporters that are currently sort of like reporting live um, that they're trying to figure out how to exit oh. in a safe way. Okay. Uh, and the, it looks like part of the, they'll, they'll shut down some of the counting right now. Mm. This is not normal. Yep. Uh, I wish I could tell you that like, this isn't really happening or something like that. But yeah, this is, this is happening mm. right now. Mm-hmm. Good thing is that it's not happening on a large scale. And I think there was a lot of anxiety That's right. that, you know, what, especially when Trump went out during the election and basically declared himself yeah. the winner. He was like, frankly, we won. Like, <laughs> it's so absurd. Frankly, you didn't. But okay. Um, <laughs> so, but, and I was sort of also waiting, what was the reaction? I mean, and he has a very fairly mobilized crowd throughout the states, right? And, and, and people yeah. have voted for him in the, in the millions again. Um, but we didn't really see that happening. Is that a, is that a good sign, or right. is it just sort of like a delayed response that we're seeing now? It's a really good question. Uh, I, I you know I feel like we sort of skipped over this part, um, and that's probably because it's fresh in our listeners' minds. But like on the election night, I think if you were watching or feeling your way through this in real time, there was a real feeling of panic on the blue side of things, on the Democrat side of things, and that's because I think a number of us hoped that there would be a major rejection across the board of Trump and, and the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And that's the way like maybe some of the, early, the polling was looking, but uh, we were looking at things like Florida, looking at North Carolina, thinking that those might clear early in the night. That did not happen. Mm-hmm. So there is a feeling of, oh my gosh, are we about to lose in a way that we did in 2016? Mm-hmm. Um, and we should have learned from the 2018 elections that like things are moving more slowly, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think what's happening is nobody's quite sure when to act there's no obvious moment mm-hmm. where 
Yeah. Uh, th- and so there's like slow builds and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're right that around the Trump announcement is where you might have anticipated. His announcement last night was at 2 a.m. local time, you know, sort of on the East Coast of the United States. And that's probably not an ideal time if you want like an uprising to occur or something like that. So there will probably be a couple more flashpoints uh-huh. um, where you might see some active stuff happen. I would anticipate that would be like something like Thursday or Friday. Mm. One thing we saw was quite crazy or unanticipated, I should say, that actually many more millions have voted for Trump now in the middle of the pandemic that he failed to handle after four years of seeing him just push all the boundaries of the political system and the political culture. That's right. Um, So for us Germans, and I just told you, you know, the... the who, who we are siding with, uh, yeah. what, what has happened? I mean, so he's mobilizing even more people now. So there's no blue shift after all, right? I, um, there's a lot of unknowns, okay? Um, and as an academic and sort of a slow thinker uh, in, in general, like I, I, I want to pause us from making super serious conclusions at the moment. Uh, like in 2018, the first 48 hours, people were like, it's not a blue wave. And, and it would meaning that like there were not a lot of seats that were picked up by um, Democrats. They were wrong. And it actually turned out to be one of the biggest mm-hmm. um, hand changing, power changing elections ever mm-hmm. uh, in the modern era. So I, I urge like, it would be really nice to know the things all at once right now. We do not. So it's going to be in a few more days until everything sort of clears and we understand. It could be at this moment. I actually believe that Biden may get 300 electoral votes, which is a quite large win in the modern era mm. but it could just be that he ekes it out and just barely gets the 270 there have been a lot of people who have made some very strong conclusions and takeaways i want to get to your point about the the new trump voters so you'll see more analyses i would say don't bother with the analyses in the short run in the next probably month mm. or two maybe maybe sorry I mean, maybe in like december we'll have a better sense but at the moment it looks like like you said uh something that I'm like even like a, a mildly emotional just about to talk about this like yeah. it's like several million people came out to vote for Trump yeah. who had not voted before yeah. and so the, you know people, they call this like coming off a bench it's hard because what motivated them it's probably something along the lines of like identity politics or the aggressive stance or something like that it, there's a there's been a strong narrative that we've talked about and, you know, inter, you know, press has been talking about like where the blue side of things, people were very activated, young voters. Uh, and there was like a story about some people who were changing from Trump uh, to against Trump, but there was a very strong reaction. Mm. People deciding that they, though they had not previously voted, they had to come out and vote in order to support mm. Trump. And that kind of energy after the pandemic, after the mounting racism, after the, uh, separation policies of, from children. I mean, you know, it's been an explicit part of Trump's policies to separate children from their parents. They, they were attempting to enter the United States illegally. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I don't know who these people yeah. are. Yeah. And, it, and it scares me. And I think it scares a lot of people. I think it's also going to be a battle about reality, really. Um, because I saw yeah. um, a figure in the lead article in Der Spiegel magazine um, last last weekend before the election, and they pulled up a number. Only 15% of Republicans now have faith that the classical media are reporting the truth. And I think that is the core yeah. issue. And I think we have to dedicate one episode in the next weeks also 
absolutely to that. Yeah, I think we you're talked right. about Fox News before, and you just said this sentence. You know, I don't know who these people are, and I think they don't know who we are. So I think that this is absolutely yeah. crucial. We don't know who they are, That's right. and we have absolutely no clue where they're getting their quote-unquote information from. That's right. I'm assuming a lot of it is from Telegram channels, YouTube, whatever. That's right. Or Fox News, but certainly not, yeah. you know, fact-based news organizations like ABC, yeah. the New York Times, the Washington Post, whoever, you know. Yeah. But before we um, go a bit more deeply into that, maybe in, in future episodes, uh, let's revisit a bit the election night, because I think a lot of people have sort of been binge watching uh, like the two of us uh, also in in Europe so I've been I've been up uh, I've tried to stay up <laughs> so we're all waiting for Florida to be called uh, and then <laughs> yes. that didn't really happen but I was even so I I, I was you know tuning in uh, even hours before the first you know first votes closed um, so this is like early evening and it was quite amazing you know CNN reporters at the senior center in Strongsville Ohio you know, it was like yesterday at this time there was a bingo game going on here you know, you know they're gonna be voting for president here um, and I was just thinking yeah well at least the winner will be from the same age group both nights but so Florida a lot of people yeah. were hoping that Florida would be like an early and easy win for Biden and that that would basically call the race yeah, that would have been the knockout point. That would have been the it's over. Um, and it, I would actually say that I think going into it, a lot of us thought it was leaning Biden, but we were wrong. Mm -hmm. um, the early impression is that Cuban Americans moved much more towards Biden. I'm sorry, um, towards Trump than uh, anybody was really anticipating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then towards like two, three a.m. when I started passing out on the couch. I like just couldn't, yeah. couldn't stay awake anymore. It was actually, the map yeah. looked really red. It was actually for, for quite some time. Yes. It looked like, first of all, it was definitely going to be closer than all the polls basically had anticipated in the battleground states. Sorry, let's let's pause here. Uh, as a statistician, uh -huh. I, I, I do want to step in. No, it, it, it's actually, this is the scenario, or this is a scenario that was forecasted. It's not the one that certainly not the one that I wanted personally, <laughs> like emotionally, I wanted the early knockout yeah. punch. And I think maybe I steered some of our conversations in that direction, but this is within the bounds of what the forecasts were telling us. It's not the most, it's not the one that I emphasized, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and this is not outside of the bounds of what was forecast. But even in, you know, these swing states uh, across the Rust Belt, because, you know, the polls that came out there were, I, I and I looked them up again yesterday, um, it was like, Eight points Biden, nine oh. points Biden, ten points Biden. Oh, uh, the forecasts are for the eventual full counts um, that have oh. been fully adjudicated. They're not for the counts that are uh, night of. And so you will see numbers continue to shift um, mm -hmm. a bit in the official count. So if you look at Wikipedia a year from now, yeah, the numbers will. I would I would argue or I would guess are going to look more like the polls, uh, the, the forecast mm -hmm. from the polls. Um, it, it is what I'm saying. I want to urge people to be like, hey, we're in a modern era where it feels like all information should be known in very short amounts yeah. of time. That is not how American uh, like actual uh, voting occurs. That's a real issue um, uh, here. We, we're probably still three or four weeks before most places 
most states will officially fully lock in their counts. But New York, I believe, last time in the 2016 election, didn't actually fully certify its full counts till July of the following year. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but I mean the the big picture was was clear. Yes. So it was it was very close, and the map looked yes, red. Yes. So what was your mood like? Um, you know, going into the into the night and then <laughs> during the night. I wish I was like more poetic. Like I was feeling panic and like concern early in the night because I was so anchored on Florida going blue. I really wanted that and. Uh, I was also pretty convinced that North Carolina was going to go blue. So when those did not, uh, I started to get really concerned. And it started to feel very early, like we had been completely misjudging again, like in 2016, it was going to go in that direction again. And though now I can tell you, yes, this is within the, the range of possibilities. At the moment, I was scrambling and really worried and, and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, last, last night was a lot of again <laughs> please not again yeah. I, I yeah it's like a deja vu yeah i slept until about 7 a.m 7 30 or so then we had had to take the kids to daycare and then i was sort of i had cleared the rest of the week so i had all day to again binge watch <laughs> and it was it was kind of cool you know in, in times of restricted air travel you know you just step on cnn airlines you know across the country from kalamazoo <laughs> michigan to maricopa arizona and back over to philly in like less than three minutes like yeah cool <laughs> Um, so that that was kind of that was kind of cool and I just love the little bits of details you know that came through over Twitter like all the little mishaps that happened along the way my favorite one so there were several ones one a pipe burst in Atlanta pipe burst in the State Farm (laughs) Arena in Atlanta delayed everything or not everything delayed some of the count I think for three or four hours but my favorite one and uh, here, and I was immediately uh, taken, you know, Green Bay, of course, you know, NFL. Yeah, Green Bay. Yes. Then there were, you know, almost like minute by minute updates um, because we're all waiting for this. Is one of the last counties, I think, that were, you know, still right. votes outstanding. Uh, and it was super close. And I was like, okay, it is delayed because one of the vote counting machines ran out of ink <laughs> and an elections official had to return to City Hall to get more. <laughs> Then and then seven minutes later, seven minutes later, and I swear I kept kept staring at Twitter for seven minutes full. Update: the clerk has returned with printer ink. (laughs) (laughs) So great! Big effort there. Yeah, world world hyperpower, and uh, we 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 can't we can't do anything about ink. The cayenne ran out. Yeah. What did you like about it? Were there some some things that you were sort of keeping your spirits up with? Yeah, one of one of my favorites again from Twitter was uh, this is somewhere in very rural Wisconsin. They lost track of the county's vote counter. She was feeling kind of sick and she just disappeared and they couldn't like track her down and they, they needed to like adjudicate like the last, I don't know, a couple hundred votes. And so there was this like, where is she? Like people scrambling around and reporting who had seen her last. <laughs> so that was pretty adorable. Has this been resolved? Is she okay? Or? Yes, they oh, did okay. find her and they, yeah, she is doing okay. And they found the votes and everything. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> also then at some point in the course of yesterday on German Twitter under politics, um, trending hashtag clown. And I've heard the um, the nickname Orange Monster, Orange Clown for certain candidate. 
Yes. I think we need to um, unpack some of it. Um, and maybe starting off with, with Florida. So what happened in Florida? Yeah. Again, like, I want to be cautious because we don't know. Some of the tools that are typically used in other years to understand the electorate, like how people were voting, are like exit polls. So we don't know. We know who voted, but we don't know how they voted. And uh, due to like, you know, safety and, you know, like uh, uh, anonymity in our voting process. But uh, what they'll do is like, you know, media outlets will put reporters and po- uh, outside of the polls. And when someone's leaving, they'll say, hey, did you vote? Who'd you vote for? Can we record this information? And that is not useful this year because one of the political parties, you know, so Trump wanted people to show up in person. He was uh, you know, telling them that they should not be worried about the virus, um, that kind of stuff. So a certain type of voter tended to show up in person and therefore be enumerated in this demographic sort of measurement uh, day of and that it doesn't look like everybody who voted so often that's you know just like that's a nice way to do it because everybody's showing up on the day a handful of people are not but you get a pretty good sense so these exit polls though people are currently using them which i think is just crazy you know there will be better versions of those kinds of polls that'll come out probably like you know late november early december Mm -hmm. um so i think we don't really know yet Mm -hmm. but reverse engineering from how certain counties were voting it's pretty clear that this is like very shocking to a fair amount of us like uh latinos in general started to go much more for trump than we anticipated i think a lot of us anticipated that cubans uh so uh, there are pockets of cubans uh people who came from cuba uh especially like sort of displaced by sort of fairly aggressive communist rule uh and they've sort of formed a particularly strong strain of republican um and conservative leadership here in the united states in florida they went very 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 trauma uh, but other types of uh, latinos in the united states and in florida who have different political commitments also seem to have gone much more for trump mm-hmm. and just to be explicit like that's a bit surprising to a lot of us because a lot of trump's policies have been uh, aimed at making it harder for uh, new latinos to enter the united states and become citizens mm-hmm. And separate from those policies, there's also been a real racist strain, a support of racist behaviors and beliefs um, from the Trump administration. That all said, I think one of the big takeaways that I think has been correct for a while, but I think really got driven home last night is Latino, the concept of Latino is probably just not useful in the United States. Because it's just so many different diverse groups. There's so many different groups. Yeah. So there are, you know, religious groups inside of there. There are major different cultures. There's a lot of very different, even sort of like, (laughs) it's probably a concept that needs to be retired and better articulations of who these different groups are need to be used. Europeans, you know, love to make fun of, you know, the Americans and sort of like the simplistic people they vote into office. You know, it was like when we hung out in Philly, it was George W. Bush, you know, and it's now it's like Bush times one million with with Trump. Right. Yeah. But I think I mean, also having spent some time there um, and, and, and traveled a little bit in, in the States, I think what most Europeans don't really get, I think, is America in large parts is a much more basic country than Germany, France or other Western European nations. You know, it's it's. And I heard this sentence from from a U.S. colleague just just last week referring to the election. And it was like, 
all I really care about is the economy. And I think that's yeah. that's something that we can't get as, as Europeans, that there's just certain things that trump other things, you know, in the in the in the discourse <laughs> um, the that, they, that they don't do in 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 Europe and that it's much more about strength versus weakness in terms of yeah. political races. It's not so much about nuanced politics, uh, I guess. Right. And this might feed into what, what you're saying. Maybe in some parts of these Latino communities, there's more of a machismo. And then, you know, yeah. they're looking towards Trump as sort of like the leader, as a lot of, you know, the white constituency has historically also done, especially on the Republican side. And then maybe you can ask, yeah. was Biden really the candidate for a landslide? Uh, was he really a candidate, even older than Trump, much more tame than Trump? Was he the candidate to actually be able to pull off a landslide? Of course, in hindsight, everything's super easy. But <laughs> I never feel felt, and you mentioned Obama before, I never felt anything close to the fire that we had for for obama yeah. uh, with biden i would never go on youtube and watch any biden clip right you know it's like and, and obama was like running up and down you know it's like it's just a cool guy just the other just the other day you know just shooting the three-pointer yeah. you know it's like, he's just a, he's just a cool <laughs> that was just so a cool bad. dude you know and, just a cool dude yeah. and you want to listen to him he has things to say and he knows how to say them yeah so anyway that's just sort of my my wild german take here a day after um <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it, it's tough. I um I think what you're proposing there is something along the lines of like the personality identity matters, both of the individual who's voting, but then also the the candidate who's out there. I, that's much more true than I think uh, I'm willing to recognize. And, and for Trump, this is really important. He has completely abandoned both in how he has implemented his government but then also in his rhetoric and what he proposes to do any of the major tenets of republicans so if you were to describe trump's platform he's been uh, saying things that sounds like he's for universal health care uh -huh. which should be by rights like completely completely rejected by republicans but uh in practice like it's one of his talking points so Yes, there are a number of people who are voting for Donald Trump, uh, but it's also, you know, I'm also wrong when I say that because I really do believe a number of the people who showed up um, and are big supporters of him are because they believe themselves to be Republicans. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know exactly what it means to be a Republican. It does not mean in the United States that you follow a certain set of ideas. Mm. I, and I think I'm, I'm really struggling here. Like, yeah. I, th I think maybe one of the combining factors for Republicans is what I just mentioned, also economy. So belief in a strong economy, yeah. in a functioning economy. And I think this was yeah. not really so widely reported, but there was an economic economical report for third quarter, I think, coming out just a week before the election. Yeah. And it's you could spin it in a way that showed like huge gains because it was, of course, compared to the quarter yeah. before, which was, you know, COVID <laughs> shutdown quarter. Um, Abject, it was like yeah. whatever, 33% higher. Yeah. Part of the reason I'm not picking up on this line that you're putting out, um, which is definitely a line that people talk about, is it doesn't actually connect to reality. And I think it's actually more coded language. So I'll try to unpack it relatively quickly here. But so on based on the, the, the uh, empirical research, going for a blue presidency mm -hmm. 
uh, it has traditionally led to a higher GDP and uh, lowering of unemployment. Mm. So if you look at the periods where you know a Democrat is in charge in the, of the presidency, in particularly periods where they're also in charge, the blues, the, the Democrats are also in charge of the Senate or you know the Congress. Those periods have been more economically productive. Mm. Uh, so it's not actually the economy. It's actually, if you translate it more carefully, it's something like taxes. Um, so the Republicans yeah. have been very uh, good at portraying themselves as fiscally responsible or something like that, which actually translates to, I will lower your taxes. You will have a lower tax yeah. burden. But in practice, again, what that really <laughs> means is that taxes on the highest earning folks go down. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah. You know, which is what we saw under Trump again. Oh, 100%. Like, so several trillion dollars. Uh, there's the largest economic transfer from low earning Americans to high earning Americans just happened. And nobody seems to be really talking about it. Like, if you are below $200,000 per year earning, you just got ripped off by Trump. Like the 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 tax policies that got put in within the first two years of the Trump administration are wildly beneficial to people who are earning above two thousand. So um, let me let me try to translate it one like a little bit more. Is I think it's actually coded language for I would prefer to have more control over my money and I don't want to support people who are not like me. Mm -hmm. um, so while the language comes across as sort of pro-capitalism, it, it's actually an identity-based, uh, I don't want a wealth transfer to people who are not like me. So I'm unwilling, I, I mean, like, I understand that that's pe the way people want to talk yeah. about it. It's actually not, it's not supported by reality. That it's an economic-driven policy-making group. It's not true. Yeah, this, I think this is a topic also for, for one whole episode at some point, um, economy and economy narratives. Yeah. Maybe just because we're sort of running out of time. There's so much to talk about. Um, and we, we'll, we're going to have another episode next week, like a, the regular episode. So this is sort of like the special election episode now in the middle of the week. Yeah. Just wanted to bring up one little historical fun fact uh, ending this episode. Because when Trump was sort of invoking that he would want to go to the Supreme Court to challenge the vote count. The immediate instant reaction from, from Jake Tapper over at CNN was like, yeah, the founding fathers probably would be rolling in their graves right now. And then I was like, mm, you know, you know, the elections after George Washington stepped down and we, we heard his quote before, you know, so he was yeah. sort of like the, the first, first super noble leader that you guys had. Yeah. So he decided from yeah. himself that he would not run a third time president and that's where this statement came from as soon as he stepped down huge mess huge mess right huge division <laughs> huge division you know federalists versus anti-federalists and then um federalists versus democratic republicans funnily enough back then yep. or jeffersonian republicans yep. thomas jefferson was sort of like the big big man for them and so just talking about rolling in their graves election of 1800 four years after washington has stepped down it took 36 ballots by the Electoral College to finally, finally elect the third president of the United States. And it was like loads of like wow. tactical votes here and there. Wow. The country was insanely divided um, into Democratic Republicans on the one side who wanted, you know, individual rights, states' rights, you know, uh, no interference. And then Federalists, you know, Hamilton wanted more of like a central banking system and so forth. So 
36 ballots, insane, you know, it took until February 17th, 1801 to finally have someone <laughs> elected president. So just wanted to pull that out to, to say, you know, yes, not everything was better to reassure 220 us. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to know that we have a family history <laughs> with that, that we were able to work through this at one point. Yeah. Compared to that, I think we're getting a reasonably clear picture at this point um, that there might be an outcome somewhere in there. Yeah. Barring all That's legal right. battles yeah. that might be ahead. Um, but maybe we'll leave it at that for today and we'll have a better update yeah. early next week for all you guys. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And you know, like you know, sort of parting guidance is by Friday, you will, you will we will know a lot more. Um, I think in the next couple hours, we'll see Georgia, Nevada. Keep your eyes on that, and then Pennsylvania. They'll probably start, um, f- you know, doing their full reporting by Friday. Cool. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. It was really great talking. Thanks. Yeah. Hear you all next week. Take care. See, you, folks. <laughs>